0: This is a podcast from FT.com. For more information, please visit www.ft.com forward slash podcast. Chindia is the word coined by the Indian politician Jairam Ramesh to denote the two Asian giants that contain 38% of the world's population between them. Nor is size their only similarity. Both are heirs of ancient civilizations. Both were, until recently, desperately poor and both are now among the world's fastest-growing economies. Yet the differences are also striking. By looking carefully at them, one can learn more about their prospects for continued growth. The Economist's technique of growth accounting helps shed a bright light on the story. A recent paper by Barry Bosworth and Susan Collins of the Washington-based Brookings Institution does just that. It compares performance over the 1978 to 2004 period. But the years since 1993 are particularly interesting since they succeed India's post 1991 reforms. The broad picture is of Chinese growth of 9.7% a year against India's 6.5% over this recent period. So given differences in population growth, India's real income per head grew at less than half China's. Employment generated only a small proportion of the growth, 1.2% a year for China and 1.9% for India. In China, output per worker rose at a staggering rate of 8.5% a year. Increases in physical capital per worker accounted for half of this latter increase and increases in pure efficiency, what economists call factor productivity, for the rest. India's output per head rose at 4.6% a year, Given China's high investment, it is not surprising that India's accumulation of physical capital contributed less than half the growth of China's. But factor productivity also had almost double the impact in China. The paper also provides illuminating contrasts with East Asian economies other than China, namely Indonesia, South Korea, Malaysia, the Philippines, Singapore, Taiwan and Thailand. India's growth of output per head between 1993 and 2004 was as fast or faster than that of the aggregate of these seven economies over any lengthy period between 1960 and 2003. Factor productivity generated a contribution to India's growth of 2.3 percentage points a year between 1993 and 2004. For the East Asian countries, the corresponding figures were 1.2 percentage points between 1960 and 1980, 1.4 percentage points between 1980 and 1993, and just 0.3 percentage points between 1993 and 2003. In agriculture, China's growth rate was 3.7% a year, against just 2.2% for India. Employment growth was actually negative in Chinese agriculture but marginally positive in Indian. The big difference, however, was in the growth of output per worker, with China again accumulating capital far faster and achieving much faster growth in factor productivity than India. In industry, China's growth rate was 11% a year, of which employment contributed just 1.2 percentage points. Output per worker in industry rose at 9.8% a year, Of this, no less than 6.2 percentage points was generated by rising factor productivity. Meanwhile, India's industrial growth was only 6.7% a year. Factor productivity contributed a mere 1.1 percentage points a year to this growth, but employment growth contributed 3.6 percentage points. Now turn to services. Here, India's growth rate was close to China's, 9.1% a year against 9.8% output per worker contributed 5.1 percentage points of the growth in China and 5.4 percentage points in India. Here then is the one sector where Indian productivity growth matched China's. Moreover, rising factor productivity contributed 3.9 percentage points to Indian annual growth and just 0.9 percentage points to China's. The results for India are largely what one would expect But China's productivity and particularly factor productivity performance is far better than previous studies had shown. This is partly because of revisions to the national accounts which have raised the level and growth of China's services sector. Also important however are technical assumptions about the impact of the capital stock on output which matter so much for China because the capital stock grew much faster than the economy. Evidently This effort is heroic. Nevertheless, the broad picture is highly suggestive. Both of these economies have sustained a remarkable performance, though with China's clearly superior. India's outstanding sector is services. China's is industry. Employment growth outside agriculture is low, and the share of agriculture in employment still high, 47% for China and 57% for India in 2004. China's productivity performance has been astonishing, largely because of rising output per worker in industry, though it has also done quite well in agriculture and services. India's productivity performance is also quite good, overwhelmingly because of services. The implication, as the study itself concludes, is that, I quote, the supply-side prospects for continued rapid growth in China and India are very good. With a remarkably open economy and gross fixed investment at 43% of gross domestic product last year, it is hard to identify significant constraints on China's growth in the medium term. A breakdown in the global economic and political system will presumably do it. So might domestic political or social instability. In the longer term, failure to persist with reform would also be a danger. India's fixed investment has been far lower but it is already close to 30% of GDP. If the fiscal position continues to improve and the inflow of long-term capital from abroad to accelerate, the investment rate could rise still further. Partly because infrastructure is poor and industrial performance disappointing, the upside for Indian growth is also bigger than China's. But India also suffers from serious handicap. The most important apart from weak infrastructure and a relatively ineffective government, is the sheer scale of mass illiteracy. Adult male literacy was only 73%, and female literacy a deplorable 48% in 2002, against 95 and 87% respectively in China. Chindia is on the move. Since China's standard of living is still roughly a fifth of that of the high-income countries, and India's one-tenth, the fast growth of the giants might persist for a generation. As Shakespeare could have said, O brave new world that has such countries in it. Thank you for listening to the podcast from For further information, please go to ww.ft.com slash podcast.